Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Hi, and welcome to Women on the Line, Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program. Produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Amy Middleton. Hi, Amy Middleton here, and welcome to Women on the Line. Today we meet a couple of women making waves in Australian cabaret, an art form that perhaps doesn't shout from the rooftops, but has a cult following and often a pretty powerful message. This is certainly the case with Sydney-based feminist cabaret quartet Lady Sings It Better. My interview with one half of Lady Sings It Better kicks off with the two women performing a rather cavalier version of some of Kanye West's more questionable rap lyrics. So there is a language warning on the next 30 to 40 seconds of broadcast. Thanks for joining me. Ever since I was in high school, I was always a special kid. First pack of condoms I bought, extra big. <laughs> now, even though I dropped out of school real quick, I always had a PhD, a pretty huge dick. <laughs> when I go raw, I like to leave it in. When I wake up, I like to go again. <laughs> Sorry, I always forget that one's coming. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> we, we've got, like, heaps of them, so we don't have to keep it. going. <laughs> so I'm here with <laughs> one half of Lady Sings It Better, which is a Sydney-based feminist cabaret quartet. The troupe performs songs with a hilarious and poignant feminist subtext, and they take to the stage at comedy festivals, fringe festivals, and queer community events around Australia and beyond. Uh, we've been to Edinburgh just the once. Okay, We'd that's love... beyond. Yeah, that's beyond. beyond. Yeah. So today I'm chatting with artistic director Maeve Marsden. Maeve is a writer, producer and performer with a long history in the arts and social justice. Um, Maeve founded Lady Sings It Better in 2009, Yep. influenced by her passion for cabaret and women. And she found three talented performers to round out her quartet, one of which is Libby Wood. Hi, Libby. Hi. Libby completed a Bachelor of Music at the Australian Institute of Music and was a finalist in the Sydney Cabaret Showcase in 2009. Libby and Maeve, welcome, and thanks for being on Women on the Line. Thank thanks you. Thanks for having us. Um, so you've, you're in the middle of your um, sh- run of shows at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. We are slap bang in the middle. It's How's it going? A, look, it's been a really good start. We've had a few really lovely crowds. They seem to be responding well. They only give us stony silence in response to our Kanye West performance poetry. <laughs> but I think that's shock rather than um, disapproval. But, yeah, no, it's been, it's been great. We love being down here. It is kind of a thinking person's show, though. Like, it does make you think as well as laugh. I think, yeah, look, it, it's designed to make you think. Though I, I do always say that it has to make you laugh first. You can't just, you can't go to a comedy festival and um, <laughs> you can't go to a comedy festival and give people just a serious feminist lecture. You have to bring them in with the humour. And then, and you know, in, in this show we're dressed as superheroes. It's completely ridiculous. So I think a lot of it's you leave the building and then you go, oh, my God, that song I loved is offensive. But... But mostly it's for the... No, I've had multiple people tell me that we've ruined songs for them. Yeah. yeah. In the best way. Yeah, that like, happened to me at your show. 
You're but, welcome. Um, but a lot of them you already know, like like Pony by Genuine, which is one that you bring up a lot in oh, interviews. Yeah, yeah. Everyone knows that's everyone knows that one's a bit gross. It's horrible. Yeah, you've always like you know. I didn't like that when I was younger because I was like, this song is gross. I am 11 years old. I do not like this. <laughs> and yet what is what is it about those songs that makes us ignore the, con- the lyrical they're content? They're really catchy they're songs. Really well, they're, and they're, they're often really well produced. Yeah. I mean, part of the reason our show, show works is that we're mostly singing good songs. Mm. I mean, there's a, there's a couple of songs that we've refused to do because they're such crap songs that you can't do anything interesting with them. So even if it's offensive, like, is it LMFAO? Uh, just like, it was just that one, whatever his name is, um, Redfoo. Oh, Redfoo. The songs oh, are so yeah. bad and repetitive and uninteresting that trying to do something musically adventurous or with good harmonies just doesn't work. So you kind of go, oh, well, we can't do that one. So we're picking the ones that have incredible beats or the, or secretly beautiful melodies. Secretly. <laughs> well, you don't always realise because they're like highly produced, but then you listen and you can play with we're them. either highlighting misogyny or secretly amazing melodies. Or both. <laughs> both at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So there like. is no shortage of um, amazing pop songs that have offensive lyrics. No, no shortage. So is it getting better? Like, what's the deal there? I don't think it's getting sort of better or worse. I think it changes and the language used changes. But we've found stuff from, you know, the 50s and 60s. Everyone's like, oh, it was a, it was a nicer time then. Mm. People were mm. like, we've, we've found terrible songs. What's that? If you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never make a pretty yeah, woman your wife. I love that song there. Yeah, it's how, <laughs> um, yeah if you want to, yeah. Um, so from my personal point of view, get an ugly girl to marry you. Um, like, Why? Yeah, because so, she won't cheat on you. Because nobody else wants her. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Silly and, me. Know, <laughs> so many songs about size and, and all that sort of stuff. So I think it just changes and the language we use changes. But, you know, being in a patriarchy hasn't changed. So I yeah. don't think that's... I mean, I think you start to see women performing more sexual and aggressive songs like they come to the party but yeah even then it's still not at the level of men's music and how are that how is it received differently when women perform that style of music um, oh it's definitely received different like men do it constantly when a woman does it it's like oh my god that was racy what was that it's like okay <laughs> okay guys it's exactly the same thing you're just yeah. <laughs> seeing you gender look at the response like, to things like anaconda and those kind of songs that are really pointedly Sexual and people are shocked. Well, yeah, yeah you'd call it hypersexual when yeah. it's a woman, but yeah. you don't ever call it hypersexual. No, it's just normal. Men. The guy it's it. just guy, boys being boys. Boys being boys. But also, I think people often focus on like hip hop and and songs like Blurred Lines get a lot of attention. But it's it's the s- subtler stuff that I often listen to. We're singing in the current show a song called "Harder to Breathe" by a band called Maroon Five, and no one would would have listened to that. I didn't. I remember it coming out when I was at uni. Me too. What and are the lyrics? Oh, um, how dare you say that my behaviour is unacceptable, so condescending, unnecessarily critical. I have a tendency of getting very physical, so watch your step, because if I do, you'll need a miracle. Oh. Yeah, and it goes on, and, That's and lots of stuff about being in stuff. control. Yeah, really predatory. And, you know, stuff about having control, and really, um, you know, you're not fit to fucking tread the ground that I'm walking on, you know, really. And all his songs you listen, and they have this kind of creepy vibe, but because he's pop, People don't notice this, like, mm. cute pop music. So I think I, I, I particularly enjoy when we do those ones. Like, we do all the hip-hop and stuff because the lyrics are hilarious. But, um, and creative. And, and, and so, so many euphemisms. Um, but it's those ones where people are like, 
what? And they've had no, no, you know, recognition mm. of the themes that, that I like doing the most. Well, I saw, I was watching The Voice the other night. Of course night, you were. <laughs> and um, a song that we used to do is Always a Woman um, by Billy Joel, which is kind of awful. Like, he's just like, here's all the really bad things about her. But hey, she's a still woman. a woman. Right. Um, and there was a guy on The Voice and he was like, it's just such a romantic song. You're like, no. <laughs> it's a good song. And it it's is. It's beautiful. Story and, and, you know, he's not, I, don't, I wouldn't call that song misogynist. No, no, no. But it's, he's not being nice about her and people don't realise. Like, mm. that he's saying that she's, you know, frustrating. The, yeah. So, yeah. So often it's just fun to sing songs in a different style and give them a whole different um, meaning or story. Yeah, one girl came up after we sang that. Yeah, like, there was, yeah, yeah. My boyfriend used to say that that song reminded him of oh, being yeah. a little upset. <laughs> but it's just because people are just like, all they hear is, oh, she's always a woman to me, and they're like, oh. oh. Some words in the middle. Yeah. Oh. So is it the style of pop music that kind of masks that creepiness? Yeah, and I think it's also the way we listen to it. We drive around having the radio mm. on and or we're dancing and you're not there studying the lyrics, and I suppose mm. that's What's fun about what we do is we put the lyrics front and centre. You know, we always say to the sound engineer, make the singers a bit louder than you would for a normal band mm. so that you can hear the words and, and we enunciate them, which is, you know, part of the comedy as well. Um, and I think it's just a different way of listening to music and we don't sort of say to people, you can't listen to these songs or no. turn off your radio. It's just like, listen. I haven't stopped listening to them. You definitely haven't stopped. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what's your relationship to pop? Is it like a love-hate one or...? No, I straight Mainly up love. love. Yeah, like the really offensive stuff, I, I I get angry or like you know listening to that harder to breathe and going, oh yeah, that guy's a bit of a creep. Um, but if anything, it's it's it, it makes us look to songs in different genres that we wouldn't have listened to. Before I listen, and I I personally mainly listen to f- um, female musicians, mm. um, but. This has gotten me researching and, and looking further afield into the world of male music. Um, How eye-opening. Yes, it's, it's fascinating. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, no, I, I think it also makes us dig through music like little researchers. Yeah. It's fun. Maeve had never heard that much Usher before she met me. I know so much more Usher than I did before. I definitely know my share of Usher. Her life you, is better now. Have you seen the video clip for Dive? No. Song? No, I, I saw you mention that. I don't even know that song. I no, it think. was like, I think it was a single in the US or he made a film clip because he felt like it. But it's... It is. I urge everyone listening to look at that film clip. Why? It's glorious. Um, the song basically is talking about having sex with a woman and using as many oceanic metaphors for what happens to her as humanly possible. But in the clip, he starts on a boat and the room slowly fills up with presumably water. But when he's going, you know, it's raining inside your bed. No parts are dry. Gonna make you so wet. Your legs, your thighs. And splashing And the he's water in a around. room full of, like, liquid, splishing it around and diving into it. It's like, your your your, your boat's broken, you're drowning. You're drowning. Yeah. Please. But in Lady... <laughs> Call for help. In Lady Jesus. Stop dancing. It's just something else. It has to be seen to be believed. Um, so, yeah, dive. We don't sing that one anymore, but it, that was always got a great reaction. Mm. People didn't really believe that we hadn't written the lyrics ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, that sounds We have great. to remind them in the show, you do know that we don't rewrite the lyrics because a lot of cabaret they rewrite the lyrics for comedy and we're like no everything stays the same no need yeah because they're that surprising (laughs) yeah Yeah. um so you guys have a bit of a connection to the queer community as well can you tell me why that association happened 
Well, for Libby, because of me, no. <laughs> um, no, I just, I mean, I've, I'm queer myself and I grew up with lesbian mothers and so the show's always had a kind of queer bent to it mm. and I like that it's a bit ambiguous. Like, it's queer in its style. It's queer because we're singing love songs about women but all the performers in the show aren't queer. We're a mixed bag. Um, and I think what's delightful about that ambiguity is that people can decide for themselves and people can take away, you know, I've had queer women including you know bigger queer women come up to me and be like oh my god you're a fat queer woman on stage and you're just like dancing around and shaking everything mm. and not caring and I'm like oh well, I care but, <laughs> but I think it looks good um <laughs> and and for them that's really delightful for others they wouldn't even think to see it as a queer show they're just like oh they're making a feminist right. point and I, I like that that's ambiguous and that we don't feel the need to name on stage who's straight who's gay what you know, and where and where we what we're bringing to the show. So, how did the queer women know that you were queer? Then was it an assumption? I think it just just oozes out of you. If <laughs> you can just tell. No, I think it's social media and yeah, and things like that. We've had some shows where I talk about it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We had shows in the past where we did do that. Oh, that's right. I sang a love song to you. We we sang Jessie's Girl with me, um, <laughs> loving loving me, Libby, but getting obviously. rejected. Because um, um. <laughs> she's off with a man. So yeah, look. Sometimes we mention it, sometimes we don't, and that's well. Even that's not you strictly coming out. I mean, no. comedy's comedy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I just radiate gayness. That, that's got maybe to it's be just it. their hopefulness. Yeah, yeah. They're just and projecting. They're just like, <laughs> I love that I've decided that for this interview, I'm going to be really arrogant. That's, just like, that's today's. All the women love me. Uh, can't help it. <laughs> so what can hard. I do? Um, but yeah, and so so I suppose my writing's queer, and so the show ends up getting bits of that. But um, it's really a mixed a mix of all of our politics and sexualities. And but queer audiences do love it. Yeah, I mean it's unapologetically sexual, and you don't always get to see four women of different sort of sizes and styles and energies singing really aggressively sexual songs on stage and doing it with humour. Mm. I think guys are allowed to make sex jokes more. Like women's sex jokes aren't meant to be abject or a bit grotesque and and I think that queer audiences look for that and and often participate in quite sexualized spaces so we do that with humor and we do it to a, a mixed mainstream audience as well I know that sometimes queer audiences get delighted when they're sitting next to mm. straight guys we've had two sort of quite blokey guys do our audience participation section yeah in Melbourne and they've been great about it and it's it's such an interesting like energy in the room when that happens when there's women bring this guy on stage you're so used to you know blokey male comics doing heckling or audience interaction mm. when we do it it's it's interesting so yeah it's it's fun a little bit subversive yeah a little bit i think we're pretty gently subversive <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to claim um a level of subversion beyond what we do yeah <laughs> um do, have you you've had the same lineup since 2009 no okay so we've mixed it up quite a bit um it's Interestingly, performing feminist cabaret isn't the most lucrative career that you can choose. I'm surprised. I know it's you'd shocking. be shocked. Yeah. So we've um, we've had different singers. I, I don't know how many singers we've had now. We've well, probably I've had been five years. Now. Yeah, Libby, okay. Libby and Anna have been there the longest, and Fee came in 2010 and then left. At the moment, we've got two girls job sharing one of the parts. Wow! Because everybody does multiple things. Everybody's got either day jobs or you know, freelancers in other act areas. So the beauty of that is we've ended up with, I guess, like a collective of about 10 to 12 singers who've come and gone. And and each has brought their own flavour to the show. And um, the, But the current kind of four to five, so that Anna and Annie, which is convenient, <laughs> um, job share, 
um, one role. It just works, mm. and it's um, it's really collaborative, and no one brings ego into the rehearsal room, and we make up the shows together, and that's really lovely, like, to work in a group that way. Yeah, I imagine the dynamics of a group like that would be tricky. I think maybe it should be trickier than it is. That's but good. Yeah, if I you think wanna... we're just lucky, like... A lot of the time. I also think that to sing in harmony and to not be a soloist, to to do a show where you're always having to give each other your their moments to shine mm. takes a certain t- personality type. And if you came in with an ego wanting to take up too much space or even if you came in too self-deprecating and too needy of, of sort of support, it wouldn't work. Like mm. it only works because we all want to highlight each other's strengths and we know each other's strengths and weaknesses and look after them. So it's actually really lovely. And I mean, our band as well, we've got Hayden, who's our pianist, and um, Lauren and Hannah, drums and bass, are also just really collaborative. And again, if you're not making heaps of money doing something, um, we make a little, but you do it for love and you do it because you enjoy working together. So mm. it's not too bad. You make a little. That's great oh, to hear. Oh, we do make a little, yeah. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, a little. Yeah, you don't hear that often. We don't lose money, so hey. hey. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk a bit about the power of comedy in terms of feminism. Like, um, it's quite a specific genre in that you can push boundaries a bit more than other art forms. Um, what is it about humour that allows that? Um, I think it relaxes people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that, they, I mean, the, the, the negative thing is that we have a real aversion to people taking themselves too seriously, you know? So if you seem to be not taking yourself seriously, the point you're trying to make is more palatable. And because we're clearly not taking ourselves seriously, people are willing to listen. I think if we got up and just gave a lecture about lyrics in pop culture, people would be far less um, um, willing to listen. But I think it's also just a way of planting ideas and people want to enjoy themselves. I I prefer receiving things through humour or creative writing. It's it's a medium that, that breaks down some boundaries and that, if done well... Is, is welcoming to everybody. I think I don't like humour that it is at the expense of others. I like humour that says let's all laugh at this societal problem or this this structure um, and that, you know, humour that punches up rather than down. And, I mean, feminist humour is punching up because mm. it's dealing with the patriarchy. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's a really good way um, of, of getting a point across. Yeah. Yeah. It's also a nice, like, relaxation like it doesn't always have to be humor in order to make a message it's also like if you're going to a feminist show or a queer show you know you're not going to get offended and if and for like Mm. if you've spent the week being an activist or a lawyer or doing a hard job it's nice to go to a show and know that politically it's going to line up with you like I think I, I once had a conversation with a friend of mine Sally who's who was working as a refugee lawyer I think at the time and she um and, and I said, oh, you know, I'm not doing anything. I'm just making silly comedy. I'm not doing good with my life. And she was like, yeah, but when I clock off and I'm exhausted and drained, I can go to a show like yours and laugh without the fear of, yeah, an accidental rape joke or, mm. or something like that. She was like, there's, a, there's a, <laughs> a life cycle here where I get to go and relax. So I think there's also that. It doesn't always have to be like, here's our message. It can also just be a, a break. <laughs> well, and it is a bit like a counselling session, really. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's a safe space to work through some shit that we all deal with every day. Yeah. yeah. Which brings me to, like, I wonder how it impacts blokes to watch your show. They tend to love it. Right. Like, because you're, const- you're always a little bit like, Oh no, we're making fun of your kind. Um, <laughs> but they always, they always seem to be on board. We haven't yet had 
We've had oh we had one guy walk out in Adelaide, but that was after he was creeped out by my Sharona. Yeah, my <laughs> Sharona happened? was intense. It divided people. Yeah, it was just like singing my Sharona, and people were like, oh okay, because it's um, it's basically about liking a young girl. Is it? Yeah. It's what is it? Yeah. Never gonna stop. Give get it, it up. up such a dirty mind. I always give it up for the touch of the younger. No, kind. I always get it up. Get it up for touch for the of touch the of the younger kind. Wow, I a younger kind. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that was the lyric. Yeah, I thought it was the other kind. No, the younger kind. God, they really I slip it, was this it great in. Queer anthem. The other kind. Yeah, no, I thought. They, well, no, the yeah. Younger kind. I thought it was about masturbating, actually. No. But it probably kind of is. Oh, my little pretty one, my little pretty one. Yeah. Are you going to give me some time? Sure. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty sort of – do you put a trigger warning on your show? No. I feel like a show that says we sing really offensive and misogynist <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> I, I mean, I had one person say that they found – we d- used to do a medley of oh, – we have a new one as well of, of songs that are really kind of stalky and mm. creepy, and she said she found it a bit upsetting. She spoke to me. But she was like, I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. Like, I found it that way because I've had experience with that. And I think – yeah, I do think that the blurb is the trigger warning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless someone tells me otherwise. I think sometimes with trigger warnings – they're sort of stating the obvious, and I think that they're important device, especially in writing. But, but content. We do also just sing songs that you hear on the radio every day. All we're doing is asking you to listen to them. Mm. Yeah, so, I think that that's. I guess the My Sharona thing was like that's probably a next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some people, but then I, again, I'm like, these songs are already on the radio. Yeah, and if you do a trigger warning, you kind of kill the point of. of mm. Yeah, I mean, maybe we should, and we don't, we're not currently singing that song. Um, we had a lot of conversations about consent in this current show because we bring an audience member up and we tie them to a chair. Yeah, that's so risky. Um, Is yeah. that scary? Yeah. Look, one guy, the, the guy on the first night started to loosen his shirt. Yeah, he, he like was going to undo his belt. Pretended to be like, all right, let's get this started. Right, right. Let's get it on. So we all just took it from less flirtatious to more terrifying. <laughs> but the guy, the guy last night was just like, he volunteered and then he got up and he just like kept looking at all of us like, grinning. Hi. Like he's just, just really, happy really happy just to be sitting on stage. Um, I don't but know. We ask, oh, we, what nice. we do is we just ask them before doing, like we just whisper to them, "Can I put this on your face?" And, and we and, jokingly ask if they will let us touch them. And you know, yeah. So we, you find ways to put your warnings and your questions into dialogue in yeah. jokey ways. And when we tie them up, we tie them up with a really thin strip of you know something they can easily get out of, so that it's just for show. So I think a lot of comedians might spend a little less time debating kind of consent and safety in the in the rehearsal room. But we do do that. We put a lot of effort into working out how to do it in a way that's enjoyable for the audience member as well so mm. that they feel like they've participated in something fun rather than um, being the butt of a joke. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think what you say is true. When you go to a feminist show or a queer show, you do expect a safe space. Yeah. So, and that's something that you're obviously providing, which is cool. We think so, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Oh God, I can't get, <laughs> I get caught up on the stage." No, no, we ask no. for volunteers. Yeah, we you have to yeah. put your hand up. Okay, good. <laughs> um, the first the guy, the guy on the first night, just stood up and walked on stage. Did he? We didn't. Even, we weren't even like, "All right, you." He was like, "Okay, let's go." <laughs> We're doing so this. Yeah. So what? What has been your? I mean, I'm interested in why the show came about and whether it's a reflection of your experience of the patriarchy impacting music and creativity. Yeah, I mean, I, I I started it and it started actually from a really positive place where I watched Alan Cumming, um, the actor, doing a cabaret show and he um, 
was singing Mein Herr from Cabaret, which is a women's song. And it was really hot. Mm. Like, it was just really sexy seeing this guy doing the gender flip and making it queer. So that's what puts, like, the germ of the idea in. And then I was thinking back to, you know, being told as a young kid learning to sing that I should change the gender pronouns. Um, That, you know, if I was singing love songs that men had written, I should make them straight. I should change the gender pronouns. And so all of that combined with this experience I'd had just gave this germ of an idea of women singing men's songs. So a lot of the feminism and a lot of the more direct stuff actually evolved over time Mm. um, through collaboration. The original idea was quite simple. Um, And the more that audiences responded when we did the funnier offensive stuff, and I guess the less they responded when we did kind of ballads or anything like that, the more we just went in that direction. And we just started to discover more and more of these songs. And I think Libby joined us after about a year, and she just really loves kind of r&b and 90s music so she brought a lot of great songs that i myself wouldn't have found and i think that's what's nice about a show that you do collaboratively is that it just sort of evolves like that and the more it's been interesting to see though in the last six years how much the conversation around feminism and sexism and pop culture has changed like we were Mm. really warned against calling the show a feminist show in 2009 in terms of marketing it that we should market it as like a sexy cabaret and then be like sneaky feminism um whereas now now we're not the only you know like hot brown honey's a incredible feminist show on at the comedy festival at the moment there's a bunch advertising themselves that way and it's seen as like it's a market segment now yes yeah. drawing crowds and yeah. now we really really hammer that home and it's like if you're not interested in having a bit of a feminist flip on your pop culture don't bother showing up <laughs> though do because we'd like to sell tickets <laughs> how are your ticket sales going they're good they're good, good. They're just good. being cheeky <laughs> Um, well, before we wrap it up, do you want to give um, your upcoming, your next show a plug? What's, what's the deal to. with the gin? So we've made a new show, just Libby and I, um, with an expert on gin named Ellie Baxter and an MD called Jeremy Brennan. It's called Mother's Ruin, a cabaret about gin. Unsurprisingly, it also has a feminist or sort of women's perspective on it. So we've looked at the history of gin and this idea that gin is a women's drink you know the sort of your nana or the queen mother which is changing now as gin's becoming popularized there's a gin drinking boom in australia um but we've really explored that history and the idea of mother's ruin which comes kind of from the 1700s when women were told to have gin in a warm bath if they needed an abortion um yeah there's there's some Mm. darker stuff in this one it's less straight up comedy um and a lot of sort of stories of how propaganda was spread about women and gin to try and stop gin drinking and stop women selling gin during the industrial revolution so we got nerdy and researched a lot of it and found a lot of songs about gin and have put together a little show that's doing the adelaide cabaret festival melbourne cabaret festival and a few other cities in australia in june we have yet to successfully add gin and juice by snoop dogg (laughs) why (laughs) how hard could it be (laughs) that's actually probably you're going to threaten to resign if we don't sing gin and juice um so, yeah, so that's our new show cool. that we're really excited to bring down. And it goes on sale in Melbourne in a, a couple of weeks, and it's already on sale in Adelaide. Oh, awesome. So for more info, uh, www.ladysingsitbetter.com. Yep. Do you want to promote your social media? Oh, please. Just look up Lady Sings It Better on Facebook. On everything. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can also look up Mother's Ruin on those platforms as well. Well, thank you for lending your voices and your energy to Women on the Line. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't think I thought we were done talking. Thank you. No, Thank you. You're, ne- you're not done yet. <laughs>
that's all we have time for, but I'm going to leave you with um, a little clip of Lady Sings It Better, so stay tuned. Conversation, a little more action. All this aggravation just ain't satisfaction in me. I need a little more bite, a little less bark, little less fight, a little more spark. Close your mouth and open up your heart. Satisfy me, baby. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. was a mashup from Ladies Sings It Better, feminist cabaret quartet based in Sydney. 
And once again, to find out more about the upcoming tours, just log on to ladiesingsatbetter.com. Thanks so much, Maeve and Libby, for joining us on Women on the Line. I'll catch you next time. Women on the Line is Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program. It's produced and presented by a group of women at 3CR Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with funding support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by Latigra. Women on the Line can be downloaded from our website, womenontheline.org.au or download the podcast at 3cr.org.au slash podcast. I'm Amy Middleton. Tune in next time for another edition of Women on the Line. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.